here's your host, Alex Garrett. Ladies and gentlemen, you could have been anywhere in the world tonight, but you're here with us in New York City. Are you ready? I know I am. Hey, I'm Alex Garrett, your host for this episode and everything Alex Garrett Podcasting. And this podcast specifically focuses on topics that should be trending. And, well, you know what they say, right? Oh, if the shoe fits, wear it. If- well, that line means so much to me. Find out why next on Alex Garrett Podcasting, where we wear that shoe proudly. Well, it's kind of fun to have my next guest on. He's a close friend from Queens College. And uh, 11 years ago, about this time, we were getting ready for a Yankee World Series run uh, in 2009. Uh, How different things are 11 years later. But you might have read him on Zell Yank's blog, Kevin Roselle. My goodness, I've been trying to get you on this podcast. You're in high demand. I'm so glad you're, you're here tonight, though. Thanks for joining me. No problem. The pleasure's all mine. First of all, can you believe it's been 11 years that we've known each other? That's just time's flying right now. Very strange. It's really, really, you know, surreal, you know. I can't believe it. I graduated in 2013. Yeah, so did I. So th- there you go. But when we did meet, you did have your blog, and I'm sure you've got some followers from that blog, and, and maybe, I don't know if you're working on it or not, or if there's a hiatus. I know you've had some health woes, but what what is the status of Zell Yang's blog uh, since, you know, well, a few, few years from now? Or for, well, to be, to be honest, I took a break from blogging, and mostly I would say my blogging is basically on Twitter. And I'm at, at, at Zell Yanks on Twitter, and you can follow me on there if you want. And Absolutely. Basically, all my ideas are on there. I've thought about launching the blog again. I still might, but for now, all my opinions and sports-related stuff is on Twitter. Well, let's be honest. There's so much to blog about, tweet about, talk about. I, I want to first get your thoughts on um, on the Yankees losing in five. But more importantly, the Yankees have never used a pitcher for one inning of a postseason game to start the game. They've never used an opener. Why now, Kevin? Why now? To be honest, I hate what's going on in baseball. I mean, I'll always be a fan. I'll always watch. But I'm one of those really hardcore fans. And I feel like with what's going on in the, in the game of baseball today, it is chasing away a lot of those middle-of-the-line, not-so-hardcore fans of the game because these people, they're so used to seeing a starter go six, seven, eight, nine innings sometimes, and now it's just like every inning to have a reliever, it's just so off-putting, especially for a baseball purist. And I know the game is going to have to change you know, sure. over time, but the, the game has changed so dramatically, I don't even – like it's you can't even compare it to 10 – 20 years ago. Well, right. Totally different. Uh, Kevin, can you imagine if the same mentality was used in these different circumstances? First of all, in our generation in the 90s, hey, we're going to call on Mariona to close the game. No, we're going to close on him to open. Can you imagine? I can't imagine that. Ridiculous. And I thought it was funny because I saw a former uh, reliever for the Yankees of the 90s, Jeff Nelson, tweeting out when he saw Davey Garcia pulled from the game after the first inning. He said it was the wrong move. Now, it seemed like with Boone's comments after the game that that was the plan all along, but it didn't seem like the public 
including me, the fans, didn't really know that this was a game that was going to be bullpens. We just assumed <laughs> this was a regular start for Garcia. I just assumed it was a regular try to go 2-0, and you know? I mean, come on now. Yeah, seriously. And then it didn't it's, really work out. It, it's no wonder that Hap did not do well. I think he's, you know, going into this whole thing, he's been mixing it up with the Yankee front office, and you got to keep that in mind. But then you put him in the second inning, and it's like, what am I doing here? I think that's how he felt. Yeah, I mean... I don't. I um, I get tired because I debated with my family as well, going back and forth. Like, what is Boone doing? And then I think also a big debate now is not so much what is Boone doing, but what is the front office doing? Where there's a lot of debate. Who's calling the shots? Is it Brian Cashman? Is it Aaron Boone? Who do we blame for these things? Well, apparently A. Rob blames Cashman. I don't know. I think it's it might be an all around thing. But so that yeah. happens. But then you got to think about it. the Yanks did not score as much at all this series. What's going on with the hitting? The hitting. As far as that, I feel like as great as the Yankees' offense is at times, the the Yankees' lineup is based off a lot of home runs. When they're hitting home runs, they're winning. But when they're not. They are striking out in in record amounts. Like, I think they struck out 18 times, which set a postseason record. You can't win in the playoffs, face great pitching, and expect to just win off of home runs. The the teams of the 90s, the Yankees dynasty, there were a lot of role players. There were guys like Luis Soho, Scott Brocious. There were guys out of the bullpen like Graham Lloyd when it came to pitching. They're, they weren't superstars, but when it mattered most, they came up big. And sometimes it's the role player. Sometimes it's just the clutch hitting. Yes, Hideki Matsui was an all-star player, but there's a guy like him that any time there was a man in runners in scoring position, he knocked them in. A-Rod also had a huge postseason, although he was a superstar. There, you can't just rely on guys like an A-Rod or a Giancarlo Stanton, an Aaron Judge. Because if those guys aren't hot or they're not hitting home runs, you need to have more guys who hit for average. They make contact. You can't have your team striking out 10 to 15 times a game. It's just not built for success in the postseason. That's fine for the regular season. But when you're facing quality pitching day after day in the postseason, it's not going to cut it. Do you think they made the Rays look good? I found they were swinging at pitches that were so out of the zone at times. It's like, what are you swinging at? Definitely, they were. They definitely made them look good. But at the same time, I think that the Tampa Bay Rays need to be taken seriously. The Red Sox Absolutely. are gone. They are not our division rival anymore. The Tampa Bay Rays have emerged as their main rival at this moment in time. And the Blue Jays aren't anybody to laugh at either. Sure. But I think that, yes, we made them look better than they might have been. We were swinging on 3-0. We were chasing uh, pitches outside the zone, but also there were a lot of terrible calls by these umpires. I think it can go both ways. I think the Rays are a very good team. Maybe Some people say the Rays were the best team in baseball this year. I'd agree. It's hard to, ar- <laughs> it's hard to argue with that. And Kevin Cash, for a stubborn and I think a little arrogant as he is, he's got a winning team right now uh, heading he against does. the Astros, and I'm rooting for the Rays. i got to be very clear about this. I am rooting for the Rays because I cannot stand Houston again winning – um, you know, the fun thing about having an empty stadium, Kevin, is if they try a garbage can, everybody would hear it. So uh, <laughs> That's right. You can hear everything in that stadium right now. Exactly. Uh, Gary Sanchez, one of the guys that's really – I know everybody's talking about Chapman, but he's he's going to have his flaws. But 
Sanchez worries me because he he was benched and then he didn't do well at all. Is it time to move on from him and stick with Agashioka? Now, it's funny because if you flash back several years back, everyone was treating Gary Sanchez like he is the next god over there. He looked like they were comparing him to Babe Ruth. He came up, he was slugging home runs left and right, and we kind of like, we knew he wasn't a very good defensive catcher, but we gave him a pass for that because we knew that his bat made up for it. Now, several years down the road, you're looking at him and you're saying the guy is hitting below 200. You know, the guy that was hitting like 280, hitting 30 home runs, he doesn't exist anymore. Mm. And I think it's come to a point where his defensive liability and his lack of hitting makes it like he hasn't, he's not even an essential part of this team anymore. And you saw it in the playoffs. He was riding the bench. Higashioku was starting day after day. And let's be honest, when, you saw, when I saw uh, Sanchez sitting on the bench and then they, they, uh, they, did, they pinched hit Mike Ford and we realized that Sanchez would have to catch Chapman, I got worried. Yeah, I was like, that is a liability behind the plate in a crucial game. And I don't think you can have that. Say what you want about a guy like Jorge Posada, who wasn't a great defensive catcher. He was not the liability that Gary Sanchez was, and it's not even close. You can't have a catcher on your team that you're scared of behind the plate. No, you can't. By the way, you can't have that. Yankees Twitter was freaking out. They're like, well, if he's going to play catcher, why not just pinch at him anyway? You know, yeah. why why waste Mike Ford? And that's a valid argument. I think if you want to uh, blast Boone for moves of yesterday's game, that's one of them. I don't think that was a good move. I don't like that pinch hit. Kevin, I know also you've had some health stuff and you've been trying to stay safe as possible and you've delved into it a little bit in the public, but um, at least having baseball must have lifted your spirits. I know you're a Yankee ticket holder, so that was a little downer, but for you personally, what was it like to have baseball back this year for at least some of the year? It was great. You know, we, you know, for a while we thought we might not have any baseball at all. And, you know, some people were saying, why couldn't we get 80 games? Why couldn't we get 100 games? whatever I, you know, it wasn't ideal, but I'll take the 60 games and run with it. You know, you, you got to take what you can get. And, uh, and MLB, I thought did a tremendous job. I know they had the COVID positives, but I, that could be blaming on the league, but I also think that's a team responsibility right there as well early on. However, they've, they put it all together pretty miraculously, actually. In the end, it seemed to work out. It seemed like it panned out pretty well early on. I was worried about the player's, uh, safety and health, but it seems like they got it under control. You know, after the Marlins outbreak, for the most part, it seemed like things went pretty smoothly after that. But uh, for a while, it, it didn't look too good. You and, know? and it affected a couple of Yankee series. I mean, obviously, they didn't get it, but teams they were going to face got it, and it was just a mess. Well, the Phillies didn't get it. They were exposed to the Marlins, though, so that was the whole concern there. But for you, what have you been tweeting about aside from baseball? Because you're, you're not just a baseball guy. You're an all-sports fan. So what else is on your mind in a very strange week where we lose Whitey Ford? Uh, Henry Lungvis goes to the Capitals. So, so where do you want to start? It's been a, a strange, sad week all in one. Yeah, I guess the next step would be starting with the New York Rangers and Henrik Lundqvist parting ways. They buy him out, and then shortly after that, you hear news that he goes to the Capitals uh, for $1.5 million, I think it was. Um, honestly, it's hard for me to judge Henrik Lundqvist sure. for his decision to move on to another team. You know, there's a lot of guys, there's not a lot of Derek Cheaters out there in terms of a player 
that starts his career with the franchise and ends his career with that same franchise. Henrik could have done that, but it didn't seem like it was in the cards with the way he was not playing like, let's be honest, he wasn't playing like a, uh, a number one goalie in the NHL over the last year or two. I, I, don't, I don't really criticize Henrik that much. I mean, he was golden boy for us for years and sure. years. And it's hard to, you know, criticize a guy after all that time. He tried his hardest. Uh, a lot of the, the defensive players that were put in front of him, a lot of people critical of that, and they felt that Henrik was standing on his head all the time and he wasn't getting the support system that he needed. And I think it's just really sad in terms of a lifelong Ranger fan like myself seeing Henrik move on to another team without winning a Stanley Cup. Well, and you know what? Mm-hmm. It, it brings me to a, an old-time player like Eddie Jockman, who was dealt from the Rangers, and then he, he came back to the Garden in front of a packed house and they chanted Eddie's name. Mm. And I think it would be awesome. I mean, now with the pandemic raging on, we don't have fans in the stands, but it would have been a really big, you know, a really nice sight to see him return to the garden, even if it wasn't another uniform, and the Ranger fans embrace him. It would have been a nice send-off for him. I don't know if that's it. I don't know how much longer he's going to play if he'll ever return to the garden with fans in the stands, but it's a nice thought. Absolutely. Do you think he wins it though? I, you know, the Capitals seem like they're aging a little bit more uh, every year. I mean, they get ousted again this year. Uh, I mean, they lost, you know, they won a year or two ago, but uh, two years ago, but um, they look a little older. They don't have Holtzby now, but um, could this team do something for Henrik, AKA win a Stanley cup for him? Well, I got to say, I can't say I can really speak that well as to how great the Capitals are. But I don't see, you know, with a guy like Ovechkin, I'm sure they can definitely contend for a cup. Now, am I going to go pick them as my favorite? No. But I definitely can see them making a run, and I would be so happy if it was. I mean, let's say the Rangers are out of the picture. I would 100% back the Capitals with Henrik to win that Stanley Cup finally. 100% behind that. And how about the Rangers goalie? You know, Shesterkin was great, and, and the other guy playing on his name for some reason, but Georgiev. Yeah. Gorgiev. Who's going to win that battle? Um, I would say it's, it's, I mean, I don't know in terms of, I would assume Georgiev is the backup. I mean, it seems like they yeah. have their mindset on that. I yeah. think that was really the goal to basically buy out Henrik and, uh, you know, have Georgiev as the backup. I think that's what they had in mind. And so of course, Shesterkin is like get. what twenty four or something, right? I and mean, he's very young. Yeah, young guy. I, I mean, I, I I can't say the the last season of Rangers hockey I watched, but it, I wasn't as and you know they weren't a great team. I wasn't watch watching the games as in much detail as I have in the past. I don't know if it's because Henrik wasn't the same or the team wasn't as exciting, but with with the you know with the new draft picks. Uh, I mean that's big news. The Rangers getting the number yeah. one draft pick. Yep, that's we'll get a huge to that, thing I guess, this week. In a second, but I can't say I'm an expert on the goalie situation. But I think they got what they wanted. Yeah, and and one other thing about the goalie situation: the other team across the uh, you know the other New York team, the Islanders, lose Grice. I mean that's a blow to the Islanders too because he was a solid guy for them. Uh, yeah, and it's funny when you reflect back on the last 10, 15 years, 
how the roles really reversed in terms of contending New York hockey teams, and the Islanders have surpassed the Rangers in a big way with the runs they've made. And it's kind of, you know, disheartening as a Ranger fan to see them do that. And, you know, the Rangers had their chances. They did, and they didn't get it done. Well, I thought it was a fairly quick exit out of this year's uh, bubble situation. I was, I was expecting them to go a little longer, weren't you? I definitely was. But you know what? Looking back now, you gotta, you kind of have to see it as a blessing with the way they got the number one pick in the lottery. Amazing. Amazing how that worked out. Uh, talk about that for a minute because I know you've been on covering that on your, on your Twitter and whatnot. Yeah, I mean, based on what I've known about Rangers history, they haven't had a number one draft pick in forever. And just seeing the Rangers get that number one pick, John John Davidson as the president of the Rangers, I couldn't be happier for him and the organization. And they got, I mean, you can correct me if I'm pronouncing it wrong, but Alexis Lafreniere. I don't know if that's perfect pronunciation, but I'm very excited about this guy. They say maybe he's not Connor McDavid, but he's a stud. And I'm very excited to see what he can do. Right, and he's he's one of the biggest touted prospects the Rangers have gotten in in a little while, right? So it, it'll For be interesting. Sure. be interesting. And yeah, JD coming back was a big move. Um, look what he did with St. Louis. He engineered that team. Look what he's done. And and now, as president here, he he's he's trying to right the ship here as well. So we'll have to see. Hey, uh, remind me, are you a Giant or a Jet fan? Because I, I forget I, that. Somewhere. I am a Giants fan, and I don't want to speak about it. Just kidding. Well, <laughs> I actually want to. Very- I want yeah, to get more on. to the. I want to know how the Jets have a false positive and and the whole team flees the facility. Like, how do they manage to mess up a COVID test, Kevin? I want to start there when we talk about football. That's a huge, crazy story. Yeah, I mean, can you fill me in on the entire story? What exactly happened? So one of the guys, I forget who it was, but he tested COVID. He supposedly tested COVID positive, and the whole team had to flee. They were thinking of canceling tomorrow's game. Uh, Jets game, and I think they play the Chiefs, actually. But anyway, uh, tomorrow's game. However, the game is on because the guy was a false positive. So, yeah, and, oh, so yeah you bring up a funny point because I had a similar experience with you know my fantasy football team, and Alvin Kamara and the Saints, they said that he might have been in contact with a player, and it turned out to be a false positive. And I think it's very funny coming from the National Football League who, you know, they have all the financial capabilities in the world to get as many tests, I'm sure, as possible. It's a little, you know, yeah, Major League Baseball we were making fun of, but I expected better from the NFL. It seems like it's turning into a mess in the NFL as well. We're going to have a game on Tuesday. <laughs> on Tuesday. I never, I in my life, I don't remember that. I don't know. I don't know. I can't recall any Tuesday night football game. <laughs> It'll be fun. That's going to be my game of the week. I don't know if you, on some of my platforms, I like, put on a jersey of the week that's going to be it because it's such a unique thing so we'll have to see how that, what happens there um for sure the giants though are we getting tired of danny do you blame daniel jones who do you blame for this and four start and is it joe judge's fault what what could he do differently well i think that a lot of it stems from the quarterback and daniel jones hasn't been good let's just be honest and i'm not one of those people that hates daniel jones eli manning went out it is what it is Daniel Jones took over. You know, everyone was getting excited. Danny Dimes, Danny Dimes. Now, I don't know if this is just a transitional period for the Giants, that they feel that 
Daniel Jones is just going to have to work this stuff out. But I'm not one of those people. I'm not ragging on Daniel Jones thinking that, oh, he's a horrible quarterback. He'll never be good. But I think maybe it's just going to take some time. I know a lot of the Giants fans also are very frustrated, and they're like, they're just rooting for them to lose. They want the team to tank so they get a number one pick. But at the same time, you have to look at it. A lot of these number one picks, they're not guaranteed either. They, you can draft a number one pick, and, and it takes time for them too. You know, it's not, it's not like a given all the time. Not everyone is uh, Sidney Crosby or an Ovechkin, you know? Well, I do believe that the, the guy that got us out of the 0-2 hole and actually won the first two starts of his career exists. I really do believe that. That, that Danny Jones does exist. Uh, I also put a lot of blame on the defense. I feel like they're not tackling and they're not bringing them down. How are they letting these guys run all over them? It's just it's a little disheartening yeah, to see that. It seems like as soon as the ball gets snapped to Jones, they're already all over him. So, uh, well, offensive line issues. How many years have we talked about that too, right, Kevin? Forever. <laughs> it's the defense. It's the offense. What 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 is good about the team? <laughs> Barkley's out. I mean, there's not much to say. You know, there's not many positive things you can say about the Giants. Right now. In the NFL, though, you talk about draft picks. There are a few scenarios I'm seeing that are fascinating to me. First of all, you got Joe Burrow, who looks like he's going to fit the bill of a draft pick, of a number one draft pick. I mean, he just looks it. He is playing well. He's got Cincinnati going well. And his team, LSU, loses today. You can't make that up either. Yeah, man. I mean, I'm not a big college football guy. I'm more of an NFL guy. Obviously all these players come from college football, but uh, I think in terms of, you know, the draft, when it comes to drafting these quarterbacks, a lot of it is hit or miss. You know, there are very few, like I just said before, there are a lot, there are not that many guaranteed players. And some of these guys that do make it into the NFL, they get drafted. Some of them, a lot of these, you know, running backs or whatever, they last one, two, maybe three years. Look at Saquon. Look at Saquon. He he's out again. It's so frustrating. And I love. I think a lot of uh, Giants fans love Saquon Barkley. Oh yeah. And they're yep. just frustrated. They see this guy. He's got tremendous talent. You can just see it. And then you just saw the short sample size that he played this year. It was very frustrating to watch him play. It seemed like he couldn't break through. A lot mm. of the times, every now and again, he would he would go for a big run. But a lot of times, he was getting stopped. Were very short yardage, and I'm no expert when it comes to that, you know, to analyze it, but it wasn't, you know, I see a guy like Alvin Kamara, and I'm like, this guy is the clear-cut number one in the league. What do you think of the fines? By the way, there's another thing about uh, another guy, another scenario playing out, which I'll ask you in one second, but what do you think of the NFL fining these guys for not wearing the mask on the sideline? Are they being ridiculous? Because you mentioned Kamara. Well, his Saints uh, coach, uh, you know, Sean Payton got fined. Is that too much or is that proper punishment for okay, not so, I protocol? Mean, I'm very, uh, you know, I'm not trying to get into any politics, but when it comes to mask wearing and stuff, I'm very pro-science. But sure. at the same time, I do realize that these players do get tested constantly. Now, I know when it comes to like sports like baseball, and I see a lot of the, the staff, whether it's uh, conditioning coaches or managers and coaches and people that are not actually on the field, they're usually wearing masks. Like you look at Aaron Boone in the dugout, he's always wearing a mask. You look at the pitching coach, they're usually always wearing a mask. The players that are on the field, a lot of them don't wear masks. And I'm not overly critical of that, 
I understand that maybe the bench players or the reserve players put the masks on, but as far as the players on the field, I don't think there's much criticism of that. But I do think that if you're not playing and and you're able to wear a mask, it shouldn't really be a bothersome, you know, it shouldn't be a problem. Especially because you're indoors. They say that's the risk. Yeah, I I guess I, I see where the NFL is coming from. I can't blame them for wanting to ensure safety. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't think that they're doing anything, you know, overly dramatic in terms of fines. But at the same time, I see why people will be like, oh, but why isn't this guy wearing a mask? Or why isn't that guy wearing a mask? Or masks effective? Uh, if you want to, you, you know, take care of people's safety, just wear the mask and you won't get have to be fined. It's pretty simple. Well, it's a simple thing. I'll talk about the NBA one second because I've got I, I want to throw this by you, but but the other scenario I'm seeing playing out in the NFL is Cam Newton seems rejuvenated in New England, and Brady, uh, not that he's lost, but he is losing a bit of a step. I mean, he just lost to the Bears, so isn't it funny? Cam Newton changes. The Patriots are still the Pats in a way, uh, you know, even though they don't have Brady. And Brady's kind of out there a little lost. He's, he's getting calls against him, which he's not used to. And he's 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 had a couple bad losses here. What, what do you make of that? Well, the way I look at it, I mean, the big debate was, can Brady win without Belichick? Can Belichick win it without Brady? And, you know, we know that Tom Brady is a super talented quarterback. But I think it's also a bigger adjustment for a guy like Brady. Because let's be honest, he went to a different city, different team altogether, and different personnel. You know, he, he has Gronk there. Right. But I think it, the transition was bigger for Brady. And this is not to knock Brady. I think he's amazing. He's the greatest quarterback, in my opinion, of all time. That's why I got his shirt. you me personally. Yeah. But, but, I mean, you can't underestimate. And, you know, Bill Belichick, you know, also, some would say he's I, – I don't think it's hard, hard – you would be hard-pressed to say that he is – the greatest coach, head coach of all time. You know, that's also something that could be debated, but I think it's safe to say that he is. And when you have a guy like Bill Belichick, who's been with the franchise as long as he has, he knows the personnel, he knows the coaches, he knows everything. Cam Newton was not some nobody. Right. This was a guy who was a Pro Bowl quarterback. He knows what he's doing. He is a super talented player as well. It is a much easier transition for a guy like Belichick to adjust to just with a different quarterback, really, for the most part, than it is for a guy like Tom Brady. Kevin, it's amazing. Kevin uh, Rosella, as we were talking about, uh, Zell Yanks, right? That's what you are on Twitter? Yes. Uh, Yes. So, Kevin, but we're talking football now. Uh, But, no, the other thing was, everybody was like, well, you see how Belichick is instilling faith in Cam publicly, but he didn't do that with Brady? Well, I I think it was pretty obvious he had faith in Brady. I, I think... For Cam, he needed that reassurance from his coach that maybe he didn't get elsewhere. I don't know, but it just it seems like he needed that reassurance publicly. Yeah, I mean, I haven't really looked into that topic too much, but I think as far as what you said, when it comes to Brady, I mean, that they were in lockstep. They knew each other so well, Brady and Belichick. I mean, I think Brady was kissing him on the lips constantly. <laughs> if you ever saw the celebration, these guys were super close. I mean, when it comes to that relationship, I don't think that there was any sort of uh, thing on Brady's end where he thought he needed more praise. I mean, they True. knew how they felt about one another. 
Now, when you get a new quarterback like uh, Cam Newton, this is a, an outsider for the most part. This guy wasn't part of the Patriots organization. Now, what were they filming in? What were they? What was being said about Cam Newton and his? Uh, no, they. Craze? Well, they just said, you know, Belichick's out there in the media talking about how good Cam is and why didn't he do that with Brady? Well, as I just think it was obvious why he didn't do that with Brady because they were already in, in sync with each other, you know? I, I think yeah. for a new quarterback, anybody, not just Cam, but anybody replacing that stature would need that public reassurance, I, I would feel. Yes, I agree with you 100%. Uh, you talk about social distancing and, and wearing the masks. Can you explain to me... How these NBA players can just, you know, body on body fight against each other as a regular play in the bubble, and then they have them sitting six feet apart. It just it felt so funny to see that. Uh, yeah, I get it. I, I no meaning. Like I understand why some people are like it seems a little bit ridiculous. I, I get both sides of that, but I think when it comes to people that, like I said before, like people that aren't active players that are playing at like, you know, the starting five or whatever, or the, you know, one through nine in the lineup. I think those guys, you know, free for all in terms of mask wearing, if they opt to use the mask, like people say, it's just a safety precaution, but I understand why people make fun of it and poke fun of it. Like I think the Yankees also, you know, I know we're talking about the NBA, but the Yankees like took a team photo where they were all spaced apart. <laughs> Meanwhile, they're all in the clubhouse together. So I see why people make jokes about it, but then again, I'm like, I'm all pro-safety, pro-mask, but I, I think it's just, uh, you know, a friendly thing that you can joke about, like, oh, why why isn't this guy wearing a mask? Why, you sure. know, it, it's, it's whatever at this point. Hey, I think just when it comes to, you know, the safety and health of the players and their families, if they're asked to wear a mask, they should wear a mask. It's, it, it, with all the fines and stuff, I think it's it's pretty simple to avoid. You know, there's really nothing uh, funny about what we're seeing in this series, by the way. I don't know if you want to weigh in on it, but, you know, you have the Lakers go up, and now they're up by one. I, I wouldn't call it serious trouble, but I think there might be a little bit of a, a tipping of the iceberg here if they don't watch it. Yeah, I mean, I, it's hard for me to comment on the NBA because, if you want me to give you my honest opinion, I don't really watch basketball. Sure. I don't know okay. if you knew that, but yeah, I'm not, I'm not a, I don't know. For some reason, I mean, you know, I'm a big Rangers, Yankees, Giant, uh, now Giants fan, you know, now, but right. I never really got into the NBA growing up. I, my dad grew up a Knicks fan, but I, it's not that I, I hate basketball. It's just, I never got into it. I don't know why. I, I just I yeah I've not been a total fan of it but the play the, the the finals are always intriguing to me so I I watch it anyhow hey on a general perspective though from Kevin Roselle which league did it best with this whole isolation bubbling and which league should be modeled if this has to be the same way next year I think the NHL far and away did the best job looking back at this point. I mean, it seemed like, I mean, how much news did you hear out of the NHL bubble about people getting infected None. with COVID? Very I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what the numbers are, but it sounded like the NHL got it right. No, I, I agree. And Bettman, you know, he's often booed, but he actually got one right with this one. So that was. With COVID, Bettman did a good job. With everything else, I don't know. <laughs> well, a couple other notes I want to end this discussion. I'm going to have you back on, obviously, because I think MLB free agency is going to be wild. I want you to have your reaction on this podcast. But a couple of things. Firstly, 
Uh, Whitey Ford, you and I are up at the stadium often. I've met him multiple times. I'm sure you did as well. Any memory of, of Whitey? Well, obviously, I'm not old enough, and you're not old enough to have seen him play, but all the great things I've heard about him and his relationship with Mickey Mantle and Yogi Berra, Phil Rizzuto, all those all-time greats, I think one of the saddest parts about it is, yes, he was pro- he was the greatest pitcher in Yankee history. Um, it's that this guy was like the last link or the last great link to those 1950s and 60s teams. Yeah, there are other guys that are definitely still alive from those teams, but this guy was a major name. We've Absolutely. lost Yogi Berra. We've lost, we lost Mickey years and years ago. Um, Phil Rizzuto's been gone for a while. Mm. And definitely Whitey was that last big link from those teams, and I think this kind of closes the door on a lot of those, you know, discussions. You know, you have guys like Bobby Richardson, who's still around, I believe. But, you know, Whitey was that very big name that was still left. Yeah. You know, after after those 60s teams, the next Yankee greats would be from the 70s. You're talking guys like Reggie Jackson. But he came way after Whitey. So right. it's definitely a very big loss for the Yankees organization. It seemed like a lot of the Yankees alumni from mm. the 80s, 90s, they really liked they Well, he really was always there Whitey. at Old Timers Day. I mean, he... He stopped to see my dad and I, and he stopped. He actually went to our high school, the Henry Viscardi School, for the gala, the sports night event, year after year for a little while there. So he was always out in the community. He was cordial, and he was just a very nice man and a good man to talk to. So I, I For sure. My family sure. and I will and definitely miss actually, him. Actually, this is not a political comment, but the great Tim Russert, the political commentator years ago who passed away, uh, he, you can look it up on YouTube. Gave, gave a fantastic interview to Yogi Berra, Whitey Ford, and Phil Rizzuto. If you search that interview on YouTube, I highly recommend it. They reminisce about the olden times of the '60s and partying, and the Copacabana brawl and yeah. all that great stuff. I highly recommend anyone listen to that interview. Well, I believe he was a huge baseball fan. Tim Russert, I think he even wrote a couple of books yes, on it, if I'm not mistaken. And he, yes, he was. That he was one, a big baseball fan. That one was tragic because he died of a heart attack at like age in his 50s. He, he, yeah. Ugh. I mean, I wasn't very much into politics back then. I was very young at the time, but I remember hearing a lot about him and how big of a baseball fan he was. And I watched the interview uh, recently again that he gave to them, and it was Mm. fantastic. If you're a Yankees fan, even if you're just a baseball fan, I highly recommend you listen to that interview. Well, uh, I definitely will send people there as well. That that's awesome to know. You know, I always love when he says, "If it's Sunday, it's meet the press." Like, yeah, yeah, he just he was the man of Washington. Uh, years ago. All right. One, sure. one final thing I wanted to do. Thank you because this week we're celebrating 11 years of the sports hour and you were there from the very beginning when I started this thing and I've really enjoyed your support and friendship. So thank you for that. And the coolest no thing is we've gone yeah. from WQMC radio to Spotify with this show. So you're part That's of amazing. it. Now. You're part of it now. So thank you. I feel honored and I wish you continued success with the show. And uh, we, we just keep on pushing. But, yeah, uh, for those who don't know, I was at the 09 World Series, and I think Kevin Roselle was one of the first guys I showed my flip phone to that they were <laughs> I was like, can you watch this nine-minute video of the Yanks clinching? I was very excited about that. 
and uh, <laughs> and that's how our friendship kicked off 11 years ago at Queens College. So it's it's fun yeah, to stay connected. Long, and, long time. And you said you were at the you said you were at the World Series. I, I wasn't at the World Series. Still to this date, I haven't been to a World Series game. I had World Series tickets last year. They didn't make it. But that year, '09, I went to I saw the Yankees win the pennant that year. I was there with my dad. But was that the night they threw? Ch- that wasn't the night they one- threw the ball away, was it? The Angels, because one of those games they threw the ball away, and that was the series for the Yanks right then and there. I, don't I was at the. It was. It was. Uh, I believe it was Game Six of '09. Andy Pettit won that game. He was on the mound, and they they wrapped it up and won the pennant. And they haven't been back there since, which is just so so surprising considering. So yeah, very very upsetting. <laughs> All the names they've had, but you know what? We just keep pushing another year, another spring, and hopefully 2021 is a little more normal than now. But, I, again, you and I agree. We give them kudos for what they've been able to pull off in all these sports for the circumstances. For sure. Well, it would be nice. You know, we don't know what it holds for the future, but, you know, it's nice thought to think about being at the stadium next year. But it seems like this is going to go on for a while. But we'll see. Kevin, I do pray for, the for best. I pray for you and your health, and and uh, do come back and, and talk sports with us again. For sure, definitely. And, and Zell Yanks, right? That's your that is your Twitter. Yes, All yes, right. it is. Maybe it's your email that's Zell Yanks ninety one. One of them had the ninety one. Yes. Okay. Yes. So that's what it was. All right, but on Twitter, Zell Yanks. Follow Kevin Rosell there. I'm Alex Garrett, and we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks for joining. Thank you, Kevin. That was awesome. So I'm going to post that up right now and then head home. So Perfect. I just did the Army game uh, for a few hours of work, and uh, it was a rather quick game, so I was able to do this in an earlier fashion than I thought. So thank God for that. There you go. Uh, how are you health-wise? How's the, if you don't mind me asking off air, how's yeah, the bag I'm, and all that? I'm pretty good.